0: we're at a time in history where our nutrient levels are actually lower than they ever have been. And it's estimated that we need twice as much meat, three times as many fruits and four to five times as many vegetables as we did to get the same nutrition back in 1940.
1: Welcome to the biohacker babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition.
2: What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and check movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life.
1: Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition and support your body's natural healing abilities because life is too short to not feel your
2: best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show.
1: Welcome to episode 126 of the Biohacker Babes podcast. I'm Renee tuning in from Las Vegas today, along with my
2: sister, Lauren. What's up? I'm in New York today. Yay. have recorded here in a minute. Yes. <laughs> I'm at my, my standing podcast desk. I'm so happy to be back here at my, yes. my little desk. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Awesome. And we are going to be bringing on, I want to say our new best friend (laughs) Autumn Smith Smith is coming on the show today. Guys, this episode, I'm just like, my brain is on fire right now. We both learned so much. She is jam packed with so much great information about sourcing food and the importance of uh, sustainable agriculture and regenerative farming. We have so much in common with her, which I just think is so funny. It's kind of shocking. We haven't you know, our paths paths before Before, now. Yeah. But the universe brought us together and we just have an amazing episode for you today.
2: Yes. I love it. I definitely feel a little high right now because she's just (laughs) so awesome. One, I love her speaking voice and I hope you guys enjoy it too, but she has just gone a thousand percent in the right direction with this company. And I say it on the interview, but I'm going to just say it here. Like, If I had to choose one company to get all of my nutritional products from, it would be this one because super comprehensive. They've thought of everything. It is tried and true. Great, amazing, trusted ingredients. They've just done like a phenomenal, phenomenal product.
1: Yeah. And I love that she really created these products because they didn't exist on the market. She wanted them for herself, for her family. Like you know, they're grass-fed bone broth protein. She discovered the benefits of this and realized there's no one making a grass-fed, grass-finished bone broth protein, protein. no Mm -hmm. one. So she went ahead and figured it out and she did that. And all the other (laughs) products, you'll learn more about them in the episode, but she has gone above and beyond to make sure it's the best quality. Um, So she's not only really protecting all of our, or protecting our health, but she's protecting the planet. So amazing mission. I know you're going to, yeah, because a
2: lot of people create products that don't already exist, but they don't go to the lengths that she did. Yeah. She's so, amazing. If you haven't, if you haven't tried paleo Valley, oh my gosh, you're going to want it. You're going to want it so badly. You'll learn more about it on the podcast, but a range of supplements, vitamin C organ complex, or a greens powder, a mushroom neuroprotective capsule, the most amazing jerky you will ever taste in your life. What am I missing? Well, I don't think we should give it all
1: away. We should make people listen to the end. <laughs>
2: fine, 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 We so will share it. all this good okay.
1: news. Yes, all right, awesome. All right, so Autumn Smith suffered from debilitating digestive issues and crippling anxiety for most of her life. Specialist after specialist told her nothing could be done and she was ready to give up. But as one final attempt at a life free of health issues, Autumn decided to harness the power of whole foods. She cleaned up her diet in just 30 days, her IBS was cured but that was just the beginning. She also had less anxiety, was mentally sharper and a bubbly side of her that she forgot existed came back. Since then, Autumn has dedicated her life to helping others harness the power of whole foods to live vibrant lives. In 2013, she and her husband Chas launched Paleo Valley, a company dedicated to helping people get the essential nutrients they need without added sugars, grains, and other harmful ingredients. But they didn't stop there. After learning about the healing powers of grass-fed pasture-raised meat, both for our bodies and the planet, Autumn and Chast started their next venture. In 2018, they launched Wild Pastures, a regenerative meat delivery service that sends 100% grass-fed pasture-raised meat directly to your doorstep. Wow, They, Autumn and Chas, are such an incredible powerhouse couple, and we just can't wait for you to tune in today. Let's bring Autumn on. Welcome, Autumn, to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are
0: so, so excited to have you on the show today. Likewise, I've listened to your podcast, and I'm just thoroughly entertained by how much we have in common, and I just can't wait to see where the discussion goes.
1: Yes, (laughs) yes, us too. I know, it's so funny. When we started learning more about you, we realized- the three of us are all dancers. You and I went to the same school for nutrition. You and Lauren, were celebrity fitness trainers. We're like, what else do we have in common? It's like so crazy. and We're all connected. I, I love it. We're huge fans of Paleo Valley. Like we can't wait to dive into the products and share that with our listeners. You know, you're your knowledge around sourcing ingredients and regenerative farming, sustainable agriculture. We want to definitely pick your brain on all of that, but we're going to save that for a little bit later in the episode. I think to kick us off, if you can share a little bit more about your journey, you know, where, what was the turning point in your health journey where you discovered that food is medicine really?
0: Yeah. Basically when I was uh, growing up, I was about 10 years old and I started to have digestive issues. I just was bloated. I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I would say, mom, I'm in so much pain. And I remember one time she actually took me to the, to the emergency room and they told me you've got gas, like you've got irritable bowel syndrome. Like we don't, there's nothing we can do about it here. Take some beano, It would just, and then just go home. And so I started to try and manage it with Bino and GasX and it didn't really help. And when I got into my teens and life became, you know, far more tumultuous, I had mental health issues, anxiety, depression. We tried the antidepressants. We did the counseling. I mean, my parents were so committed to me, but at the end of the day, no one really had any answers because we weren't addressing the root cause. And so I just went, went on at suffering, got into alcohol, drugs. My life really kind of went off the rails when I got kicked out of my parents' house before I even graduated high school. Luckily I was a dancer, still love dancing, still love learning. Um, I got myself through high school. I went to college and studied dance and psychology. Then I moved to Los Angeles, did some dancing and was always fit there was never been a point in my life where I wasn't fit, but I wasn't well. And I hit it really well because I thought this is just what I have to accept. This is uh, something's wrong with me, but I just need to carry on anyway. But when my husband moved in with me, he noticed and he was like, well, I don't- you're not fooling me and you're really struggling and let's figure this out. And so we were in Los Angeles at the time. So I thought maybe the doctors in Montana just didn't know what to do with me. So we'll go again. And they told me the same thing. Basically you have irritable bowel syndrome. There's nothing we can do. And so he got on the internet. We found the paleo diet back in like 2007 and no one was really doing it. And I thought this is so silly. Like it doesn't know your (laughs) digestive symptoms. That's not food related, which is so crazy in hindsight, but it was kind of a novel concept. We adopted its principles, uh, basically just eliminated processed foods. And um, within 30 days, you know, my digestive symptoms that had plagued me for over a decade were gone. And then throughout the course of the next year, my mental health changed so dramatically that I decided, even though I have a wonderful job. Tracy Anderson, uh, you know, I'm going to have to quit and go back to school to learn about this other piece, this piece that I thought so many other people in addition to me were probably missing that piece of wellness, like, and wholeness. And so I did, I just went on a rampage and went back to school. And the reason we decided to get into, uh, products is because we thought people needed tools. And so that's basically where I came from. I'm just trying to make it practical, the transformation that I had, how can people do that with very little effort? And so that led me to uh, the product side of things.
2: That's incredible. I think product is really powerful. And I think as health coaches, we're always saying like, don't eat anything that comes in a wrapper or a container. (laughs) It's like, that's not real food. And that's sort of the standard. Like most products out there are crap, but you have created something that is portable and convenient and you work so hard on sourcing. And so- we're just like, I don't know, indebted to you. I just think it's so amazing. So congratulations on one, discovering that, but like giving everyone the tools and resources, like you said, because it's hard. It is so hard.
0: Yeah. And that was me on tour. Cause I, one of my last assignments as Tracy Anderson is I went on a world tour and I had just reclaimed my health. So I was so excited. And then when I was in a different country every day, I couldn't find things. I mean, I ate, I lived on apples and pistachios because at the airports, I could find pistachios and nuts and then apples, you know, and whatever. So yeah, that got really boring. And I was like, I, I need to, we need to do something about this. So thank you. That means a lot to me that they've been helpful for you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just curious because we have this in common. We both did the celebrity fitness dance cardio thing for so long, which was, you know, you start and it's so exciting as dancers. Like Mm -hmm. it feels good. There's music, there's endorphins. People love it. People show up and you feel like you're making a difference, but there's just a piece, like you said, there's a piece missing in this overall wellness puzzle where that cardio is not the answer and it can feel good. And maybe produce benefits in the beginning. Like you said, you were fit, but not well. And I had the same thing. Like so many times people were like, wow, you look amazing. I'm like, "Ah, I feel terrible. Right.
0: Yep. That's absolutely me. I had shin splints so bad when I went home and my mental health, I would collapse and cry at night. And I was just like, I was exhausted. I was frazzled. Uh, I had no reserve left. Uh, And I noticed also, I don't know if you found this for you, but for me, I was kind of using it as a way to avoid things in my life that I didn't really want to deal with emotionally. Mm, Yeah.
2: Certainly Mm. a trend, I think with people that at least, I don't know if it's like a big city thing, but New York, probably LA, I've seen that people show up because they don't want to look at what's under the surface, but (laughs) man, the burnout is crazy. We know with like that cortisol disruption, it goes right to the gut. The gut brain connection is just so delicate. So Mm -hmm. maybe you can talk a little bit about that. You mentioned that mental health was a piece. When did you realize that your gut was so intimately connected with mood and brain?
0: Yeah. You know, only when my mental health mysteriously improved when I was changing no other variable other than my diet. Right. I mean, I was married. I had been with Chaz for four or five years before we got married. And so it was only right after we got married and changed the diet that I finally found stability and peace that I didn't know before. Before I was up and down and crying and I'd have these like physiological responses to food and overtraining and all these things that I would then uh, make up my reasons for, I think a lot of us do like, Oh, well, I must be feeling so sad because my husband did something or, you know, like and my relationships yeah. were taking a hit or I was just someone like, oh, else yeah. did something. <laughs> yes. Yeah, someone must've done something. I can't just feel this way. Like it's someone's yeah. fault. Uh, yeah, so obviously there's a lot going on, but, um, when I all of a sudden was very stable and able to use my energy to not just manage and pull my life back together, but to like create things and have a desire to create a company and to teach other people rather than just like getting through the day. I was like, Mm. wow, this is a a really something very powerful. Mm -hmm. Like you said, we know the brain and the gut, we often think of, oh, well, you know, they affect one another, but actually more information goes from the gut to the brain then vice versa. And I had a lot of gut stuff going on and through time. And I'm not saying it was like an overnight change for me with just eliminating processed foods. There was like, there was parasites in there and, you know, I had food sensitivities as well. I just had all of these different factors, but, but yeah, literally looking for antidepressants and doing counseling, there wasn't a more powerful solution for me than just cleaning up my diet and paying attention Mm. to the health of my gut, which is crazy.
1: Wow. Amazing. Yeah. So powerful. So if someone listening right now is experiencing something similar, gut issues, anxiety, depression, what would you recommend they start with? Like eliminating certain foods, going strict paleo, like where's a good starting point for people?
0: Yeah. I guess that depends on who you are. If you're someone like me and you just jump right in a paleo diet is a really awesome place to start. I always have three steps. I take people through who are just like, I'm ready to go. And that's, paleo diet eliminating. So the first is just eliminating inflammatory foods. Usually that's gluten. There are some crazy stories about gluten and mental health issues, even in the absence of any sort of digestive symptomology at all. Right. There was, I think a PhD student and she started to think that her parents were out to get her. And, um, there was also a woman who would take off her clothes and run naked in the hall, even though she was normal before that. And she was eating bird feces in Portugal. And then they took her off of gluten and, her symptoms went away, even though they brought out electroconvulsive therapy, all the big guns. And she didn't herself even believe it. So when they uh, took her out of the hospital, she went back on gluten. And again, then they found her begging for money and cigarettes in the streets. Her kids did took out the gluten. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so I don't mm. think everyone is sensitive to gluten, but I think some people are very, very, and it, it impacts the brain more than any other um, organ system other than that, you know, your digestion. And also yeah. dairy for some people, especially if you have pre-existing gut issues because of gluten, dairy can be a problem. Of course, processed foods. I think the most powerful thing other than just um, getting rid of inflammatory foods is eliminating soda processed foods. Your audience is probably doing that, but just stabilizing your blood sugar, like, that's where you start, right? Just learning what it takes to make sure that your blood sugar is not going up and down all day long. And it's really simple and it doesn't even require that you change what you're eating necessarily. So identifying inflammatory foods is number one, gluten and dairy and processed foods and sugar, big ones for a lot of people. For me, it was garlic, which is very strange because it's a a very healthy food, but it causes me to break out and I just don't feel good when I eat it. And then the next one is balancing your blood sugar. Okay. And figuring out what that means. I'm wearing a CGM. I know you guys probably talk all about this and it's really exciting. And then the last one is ensuring that you have nutrients, all of the nutrients. Okay. B12, B6, B9, iron, zinc, like creatine. All of these are so important for your brain health. And if you go to this app called chronometer, do you guys use it? Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and then it's free. And I just love telling people about free stuff, right? Cause oh, you yeah. can go and you can have your nutrient level tested and that's cool too. But if you're at home and you just take three to five days out of your life, record everything you're eating and you're drinking into chronometer, it tells you where those nutrient gaps are. When you see them pop up consistently and then you check, Oh, do these identify with the symptoms I'm experiencing? There you go. Just craft a diet. It brings a level of awareness uh, that I don't think you can get from even the testing, like when you test your blood levels or whatever. So those are my three steps, eliminating uh inflammatory foods. And that is, you know, the most commonly inflammatory foods, but also the ones that are inflammatory for you. Stabilizing your blood sugar. And we could talk more about how you do that, but I'm sure you guys have covered it. And then also ensuring all your nutrient base is covered. That story I said about gluten, the same thing has been found for vitamin B12. And sometimes deficiency occurs before it is evident in like a traditional marker when you go to your doctor. But there was a woman who had, you know, depression and she kind of just deteriorated and became more and more apathetic over time. Again, they tried all of the traditional therapies. And it was, wasn't until she got B12 injections that she perked up and became her normal self again. So these things really, really matter. And those are typically the first three steps. But if you're someone who just wants to baby step your way to mental health, I do think, that getting your blood sugar stable is probably the most important thing and the simplest thing. So if you just like, stop drinking your sugars, right? That's a really simple thing you can do. Eat your meals in a different order, starting with, you know, your veggies and your protein and then your sugars and your starches, um, um, making sure that you're, you're just counting, putting a pin down on your sugar intake for the day, right? Just becoming aware of not only sugar, but carbohydrates, which, you know, I'm sure your audience knows can, Deleteriously affect your blood sugar. So there's a lot of places to begin. It depends on who you are. Uh, but hopefully that was helpful. Ah,
2: such yeah. great information. <laughs> My brain's exploding. I'm like, there's a million things I want to ask you right now. I'm like, which one's more important? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I want to jump <laughs> into blood. blood sugar. I'm I really running. Should we do that first? Because I'm also really, I feel like what Paleo Valley does really well is delivers nutrients. <clears throat> Can yeah. we start there and pin blood sugar? I know, I know I'm really yes. excited about blood sugar too, but <laughs> yeah. we don't get enough nutrition, right? Like our soil is compromised. Our like commercial farming is a shit show. <laughs> Even if you are trying to eat healthy and get nutrition, like a lot of us are still failing. I don't want to put that like negative like frame on it, but we're not getting the nutrients that we should get. And paleo Valley is all about, let's get those nutrient deficiencies covered. Yes, not a and question, love- but I'm going to let you just talk.
0: <laughs> I'm going to yeah, you know, I did not. So, we'll just go for it. But what I wanted to say is, yes, we're at a time in history where our nutrient levels are actually lower than they ever have been, and it's estimated that we need twice as much meat three times as many fruits and four to five times as many vegetables as we did to get the same nutrition back in 1940. Mm. And while most people are like, Oh, it's because, you know, the dilution effect, we're simply expecting more of our land and increasing the yields and using all these inputs to do so, but that the nutrients don't actually live within the soil. But what we have realized recently is it's more about the soil biology and the breakdown of that biology, because what happens is the plants use, you know, sunlight, light, oxygen, carbon, and then they drink, they take the carbon dioxide and then they share the carbohydrates through their roots with the bacteria the microorganisms in the soil. So they're like scratching their backs. And, and for doing that, the microorganisms in the soil say, Hey, wow, well, I'm just going to give you access to the nutrients that are there. Right. And so they give them access and then the plant can access the nutrients. And then the animals that eat the plants can access the nutrients. And this beautiful little cycle that is disrupted with what you said is our the shit show of, um, conventional you know, <laughs> practices. And so we are literally addressing it from the root because we only source from regenerative American farms. And what that means is only farms who are taking into consideration these various principles, and I can get into them if you want to, but that help rebuild that soil biology, because that is our ticket, right? We know if we continue the practices that we have right now, we have about 60 years of topsoil left. 75% of the soil in this country and the world has been degraded. And that's because of what we're doing to it. And so Oof. yes. It's wow. really important. I know it's just astonishing. And these, when you see these areas in the world where this is occurring, they used to be these really vibrant, lush, like, um, productive areas of the world. And we have unfortunately destroyed them. So that is what we're about. Not only providing nutrient dense foods to begin with, which is also an important part of the equation, but making sure that they're grown in a way that is rehabilitating the soil. Because if we don't, we're, this is only going to get worse. And we might see a day where we can't actually grow a food supply to nourish us at all. So so yeah, we have terrifying. to keep giving
2: back. And I, I love what you said. It was like scratching scratching the back of, I don't know, the microbes yes, or or the microbes. soil. It's like, we, <laughs> this is we teamwork here. Back. Yeah,
0: yeah. We can't do it without them, like literally. And it seems like... I never in all my years would have thought, Oh, I'm going to talk about soil. Like I'm going to go back to school and then I'm going to tell people about soil on a podcast, but it it just is that important. It's like the basis. Yeah. Yeah. They say it's like a kind of akin to our microbiome, right? In our human Mm -hmm. biology, it is the planet's microbiome. And when it's not healthy, like we can't be healthy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I guess I do have a question now what is the difference between regenerative farming or like organic farming? All this terminology out there that's so confusing. Is organic enough? Do we need to go all the way to hundred
0: percent grass-fed regenerative? Ooh, I love this question. So in my training as a soil advocate, we had this really important concept. Like a lot of people are worried about sustainable, right? We need to think sustainable, but if you Look at the things I've just said about 75% of our earth's soil being degraded. We can't sustain, right? We have to regenerate. So we have to be using practices that in measurable ways change the current state of our soil, right? And of our environment. So Organic doesn't always mean that, unfortunately, right? You can still feed cows organic grains. um, You're in organic agriculture. You can still be using various inputs, but regenerative is kind of beyond that, right? It's like, I am going to measure where my soil is now, and then we are going to do things to it That make it better and improve the percentage of like soil organic matter and improve the biodiversity that we're seeing above ground because that is what is uh, evident in a healthy ecological system is biodiversity and so organic is great. I love the intention behind it and I think it's doing a lot of good. Absolutely, I will never argue with that. But I think we also have to go a a little bit beyond that and say, is this organic production system also regenerating the soil? Which I think. Mm. And know that even within grass fed and grass feeding, that's not a regulated term. And so cows can be grass fed that are not also regenerating the soil. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of intricacies there.
2: Yeah. No, but
1: that's really helpful.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think all of the labeling in the food industry is so confusing for people like (laughs) grass fed, grass finished, wild caught, farm raised, organic, like no one, like it's so confusing for people. So grass fed, grass finished. I know you're Products are doing that. What are other companies doing if it's not grass finished? So they're doing grass fed for like a certain percentage of their lives and then grain feeding or soy feeding.
0: Yeah, this is candy corn at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, well, what they're doing is all cows are raised on pasture for the first part of their life. That's just the way it is, but it's, they're not finishing on grass. And that's the more important question. I started to learn when I'd call companies and say, "Oh, you have grass-fed meat?" They're like, "Yeah, okay. It's all all cows are grass-fed." But the more important is, are they ever fed grain? Right? That's what you can ask mm. a company and kind of get cut to the chase. And then also, are they being rotationally grazed, right? So are they cuz you can even have a Pasture a grass feeding operation that is leaving the cows on one plot of land, and that can they can overgraze and that can actually be deleterious too. So, I think because it's not a regulated term, I don't even think some people probably making these products understand these nuances enough to ask. So, I don't always think it's like necessarily greenwashing, I think people just don't understand yet uh, because the term you know they don't have the power to regulate it like it should be regulated and that's why it's a good thing that companies like us can just say yes across the board we're going to be sourcing from regenerative farms or things like ecological outcome verified the savory institute is doing this program again where they're looking at where your soil begins and what your practices you're doing and where is it ending up and so there are people who are taking it into consideration and making this easier for consumers. But man, I know it is so confusing. And the deception out there in the labels, like cage-free, free free range. Yeah. They only have to have access to the outdoors. It doesn't mean they're actually living outdoors. Right. And humanely raised, they can really say that, but if no one's third party, um, certifying or verifying, like it doesn't really mean much. Right. Made with no animal byproducts and stuff like that. I mean, there's just so many different labels, but if you can just ask the right questions, is it 100% grass-fed and finished? Is it ever fed grain? Is the, Are the practices being used on the farm regenerating the planet? That is the best case scenario. But we all have to begin where we are, right? Know that 95% of the products in the supermarkets are raised in confinement, okay? And so even if one meal a week you changed your mind and said, I'm going to just upgrade this one meal. I think over time we'll continue to create a demand and asking these questions, but, but understand that I don't want this to be an elitist thing or a thing that you have to do. Everyone needs to do it every time or you're failing. It's like, no, just getting awareness, choosing one meal a week, upgrading it. And then slowly over time, we are powerful. They are responding to us. The practices are being used because we are either accepting or not accepting them. And so just know your power, but know that you don't have to do everything overnight.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great tip. Well, I think what you're doing is not elitist because you've given people, like you said, the resources. It's so easy. I mean, we know that liver is one of the most nutrient dense. Oh supplements we can consume, but you're not saying you have to go to a farm and get the liver and cook it and do all that work and pay the money. Like you, you put it there and you've sourced it well. And same with, with the meat, with the beef sticks, yeah. you know, that's sourced well. So I'm curious, like, do you have relationships with the farms? Are you going there? Like, how do you ensure, like, how is the, how does this trust relationship work in this
0: industry? Yeah, that's so important. Yeah, we know all of our farmers very well and they all have their own stories and um they come down and visit us and you know and we go visit them and learn about their operations and absolutely and that's I think what it's going to take. We just need to be a little more curious about where our food came from uh, because at the end of the day if we don't there're going to be consequences that are far worse than what we're experiencing today. And so, yeah, I mean, I could tell you about our farmer stories if you want, but we do we have intimate relationships with all of them. We visit them. Uh, they are our people. So yeah. So cool. so,
2: yeah. Yeah. I know. Sorry, Renee. I know it's your turn to talk, but it's just one more thought. Like <laughs> I, it's true. Like those relationships are so important because we don't really know who we can trust. Like there was that meat purveyor that for so long, everyone thought was so healthy and they were just exposed. It's like, you can be told that something is good. And then I don't know, lies, deception. <laughs>
0: It's really hard, isn't it? I know. And consumers need transparency uh, more than ever. And so that's one thing. If you want to learn more about the farms, like you can always reach out to me and ask and we'll tell their stories. But yeah. And, And the other cool thing about our company is that it's only... American farms because we realize American soil needs the ability to be rehabilitated. And I understand why other companies are sourcing uh, internationally because generally they have higher standards. But what we wanted to do was, no, we need to create a food supply and food sovereignty here. And that means that we have to be really strict about no outside sourcing um, and only American regenerative family farms. So that's what we've done there too.
1: That's incredible. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing all of the hard work and the research. We really appreciate that.
0: (laughs) You're so welcome. You could tell Chaz. Chaz is the one on the phone all day. (laughs) Asking the the
2: questions.
1: (laughs) I have a funny story. One time I was visiting my in-laws in Florida and they have this like amazing butcher shop that also has a restaurant connected. And I was really impressed, but I asked the owner, I said, Oh, like, this is so amazing. Is this all grass fed? And he's like, you don't want that grass fed stuff. (laughs) <laughs> you want the corn-fed? This is all uh-uh. corn-fed, 100% corn-fed. I was like, oh,
2: wow. There's such. <laughs> he a was stigma. so
1: confident too. Yeah, he said that he was like grass-fed. That stuff doesn't taste good, and like I was like, what?
2: <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to argue with you. It is okay. a little different in taste, but. <laughs>
0: It is. And that's so fascinating because, you, yeah, obviously, there's so much divisiveness in the nutrition space. But, yeah, there's some people, because we've been trained and we've eaten corn-fed beef for so long, um, some people's taste buds are suited to that. But what's really fascinating, have you guys heard of Dr. Fred Provenza? No, no. Oh, I I think you'd love him. So he's doing all this research. So we know there are nutritional differences, right. Between grass fed and CAFO, in addition to what's happening with the environment, um, you know, consistently higher levels of antioxidants and a more favorable profile fatty acid wise in terms of grass feeding. But what most people don't recognize is there's 10,000 other compounds called secondary compounds. They're like terpenoids and phenols and carotenoids things we don't really pay attention to, but that have documented anti-inflammatory, antibacterial, anti-diabetic, even antidepressive properties. And what's cool about that, what you just said about, oh, we don't like the way it tastes. These compounds tell a cow and animals and humans when they've had enough, right? They're like a satiety signal, right? It allows them to self-medicate and tell them what they need and what they don't need, which is A, why it's kind of cruel to have animals in confinement because they don't have that ability anymore. But also I think one of many factors contributing to the fact that we continue to eat, even when we've maybe, you know, we are looking for these compounds that are not present in conventional beef, but in far higher quantities in pastured beef. So there is a flavor difference for sure. But I think most of that is because we were raised on corn fed and that it might actually be a detriment in the long run because we're missing out on all of these other uh, beneficial anti-inflammatory compounds and potentially satiety inducing compounds uh, that we're not getting in those animal products too.
1: Wow. I would love to maybe quickly talk about your vitamin C product. As you were just mentioning, like, you know, everything, it's like the big picture with all of these nutrients. And I think vitamin C is a really good example where most people are just grabbing ascorbic acid right off the shelf because it's on sale for five ninety nine dollars or whatever. But oh God. <laughs> so how is your vitamin C different? Like what
0: else is happening there? Oh, that's such an important question. First, I want to preface this again, because the more I dig into the research, there's a there's very... There's big differences. Most uh, ascorbic acid is derived from genetically modified corn. It's processed with volatile acid. So it's not actually coming from a lemon or lime like most people think it is, right? There's certain research to suggest that it might not have good benefits, but there's also a lot of research to suggest vitamin C is really beneficial. So when I say these things, it's to say, if all you can afford is ascorbic acid, it's probably better than nothing. Right. And there's Mm -hmm. like Dr. Frederick Klenner back in 1945, he like cured polio, right. With there are 60 different cases of it with high dose vitamin C. So I never want to say you should avoid it and you know, all of it, but if, it, if it's all you can afford, ascorbic acid is fine. But there are very big differences. Like I said, genetically modified corn at plus volatile acids is not the same as what you're going to get in a whole food, right? Lemon, lime, orange, you're going to get ascorbic acid, which is the antioxidant outer shell, but then you're also going to get a multitude of other amazing compounds that have Demonstrated benefits like tyrosinase, which is really important for your thyroid, and ascorbinogen, which is important for your skin and also has hormonal health properties, and then factor J and P, and these are all helpful for your cardiovascular system. And so it's kind of like minimum wage, right? If you're going to have ascorbic acid, it's (laughs) like, could you get by? Probably. But is it the best case scenario? Are you going to be comfortable? Are you going to be optimizing things? probably not. And that's where getting a whole food comes into play. And there's two studies I want to mention that were really cool that, that clearly demonstrate that there are measurable differences. One was in smokers. So we, I think they liked to test in smokers because we know smokers need more vitamin C that you smoke a cigarette. And I think you oxidize something like 20 milligrams anyway. So they looked at, if you take ascorbic acid, And then you take whole food vitamin C. This was in the form of Camu, Camu juice. And Camu is one of the the ingredients in our supplement. Uh, What does that do to measurements of oxidative stress and inflammation? And what they found was ascorbic acid did not reduce inflammation, whereas uh, ascorbic acid or whole food vitamin C did and oxidative Mm. stress, which is important, right? And so, and then there was another one where they ate, they ate kiwis or did ascorbic acid and they noticed I think the kiwi, the ascorbic acid reduced fatigue, but the kiwi improved, I think, mood parameters as well. So there's an improvement in mood and fatigue and nothing to be said for mood in terms of ascorbic acid. So there's just, there's Mm -hmm. differences, right? I think best case scenario is we get it from whole foods. Our body has evolved and adapted to extracting the nutrition in whole foods, there is a synergy that you just simply cannot replicate, especially when it's vitamin C in synthetic form, because that isn't even a synergy. That's usually just the antioxidant outer shell. And so we have camu, camu berry, acerola cherry and alma berry, which is a really revered berry in Ayurvedic medicine. And then we put it into a capsule, so that people can access it every single day. It's in 450 milligrams per serving. And most people will say, oh, well, that's just creating expensive urine. And we can get into that. But <laughs> just because <laughs> you can't absorb more than 200 milligrams at one time, that is one of the biggest myths. And especially if you're sick or ill or stressed, these recommend recommendations that we have are based on very small populations and they do not consider the wide variety of biochemical realities that we have. So uh, that was a tangent. I don't know if you guys want me to say No, no, otherwise. I love
2: it. No, that's so important. And I'm on board with that. And I do think like ascorbic acid, if that's all you can afford, but I would challenge people to, to buy the better supplement and just space it out because we don't know what detriment is coming with like like a poorly sourced, and I don't know if there's a binder in there, or what the capsule is made of, but you could, I feel like you could be doing more harm. Wouldn't it be better just to space out what you have invested in?
0: Yeah, I like that. And there is research to suggest, I know one lady who works a lot with cancer patients, she couldn't get her um, glyphosate levels to come down um, when she was taking ascorbic acid. I have people who react to ascorbic acid because it's traditionally made from corn and corn is a food that a lot of people seem to react to. There was a study, uh, I think it was published in The Lancet, or maybe cell where they had demonstrated DNA damage. And then there's studies in rabbits where it looks like it interferes with bone health. And again, these are, among thousands of studies, these are four or five. Do you know what I mean? Where you can actually say that there's demonstrable harm, but Mm -hmm. you're right. I think absolutely. Our body will for sure recognize food and know that also in high doses, vitamin C actually acts like a pro-oxidant. And in the case of cancer, that could be good, but right. So, but that's not always what you're looking for, you know, on a day-to-day basis. Okay. So, Mm Yes. I think taking it, spacing it out. That's one of the biggest things. And uh, I think people miss is your body can only absorb so much at one time and in four to six hours, it's gone, right? Your vitamin C. So if you're not eating vitamin C rich foods, taking your spacing it out throughout the day, I take it morning and I take it noon and I take it at night. And it is one of the things that has made the biggest difference for me in terms of my HRV, which seems really strange. uh, Uh. I don't know
2: yeah, I mean, you just sold a bunch of bottles
0: just now. Yeah, I mean, our audience
2: yeah. test it out. But I would like other people HR- to confirm this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I think like when I started taking, you know, in times of stress, like I think it was right before the COVID stuff. I was really stressed and I was taking double what I would normally take. And my HRV improved significantly. So um Anyway, vitamin C tangent. I hope we all take vitamin C. I hope you space out the dose. I hope if you can, you prioritize whole food forms because you're going to get far more bang for your buck. Uh, And yeah, those are my thoughts.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I love (laughs) the topic of vitamin C. I feel like we could do a whole episode on it. (laughs) I know. I mean, it is crazy that, I mean, we need to get it from our food or supplements because, you know, unlike other animals that can produce vitamin C in the body, we can't do that. And I think I heard like, we used to be able to get the RDA vitamin C from like one orange a hundred years ago. And now we would have to eat like six oranges, right? Something crazy like that and yeah. get diabetes <laughs> and get diabetes with it. Yeah.
0: It's so true. Yeah. That We have definitely changed fruit, but I think it was like, in terms of that it was like one for the vitamin A content that our parents had gotten from, you know, we have to eat eight. I'm sorry for one. And that eight was that, That particular, yeah, it was eight for one in terms of vitamin A content, but you know, the vitamin C content is on the, uh, you know, people aren't taking in as much as they used to either. And like I said, the amount that we all need is so variable. And it comes from, you know, there's genetics at play. There's, uh, you know, what we're doing, our activity levels. If we're athletes, you probably have a lot of people working out a lot. You're going to need more vitamin C. If you're smoking some cigs, don't think you probably have a lot of listeners who are, but you might need more then. You need more when you're stressed, you know, and on and on and on. So just thinking that we can cover our bases with, you know, 675 or 90 milligrams um, or 120 milligrams when we're lactating. uh, I think it's, um, it's unfortunate. Because for a lot of people, that's not, that's simply not true. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I have a quick story about the vitamin C. So I just recently went to EDC Las Vegas music festival (laughs) where it was like not enough sleep. A little stressful. I didn't want to get sick. And they're so strict about what you can bring in, like supplement wise. They say all the bottles have to be sealed in their original containers. And of course, me being an overthinker, I'm like, okay, what is the bare minimum of supplements I can bring in and survive for four days? And you're like, right. hide
2: my vitamin C like in my socks. <laughs> so
1: I had the vitamin C sealed. And I just, I was taking like, I think two capsules two or three times a day the whole weekend and I didn't get sick and I felt okay but um, I was so happy they didn't take it or confiscate it at (laughs) security.
2: That's so great.
0: Yeah. Priorities, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I need my vitamin C. (laughs) That means so much to me and my friends came and visited 10 of my high school buds and the same thing. I just pre-gamed Huge load of vitamin C and glutathione and all the things. And then afterwards as yeah. well. And I think I had, and this is definitely nothing I usually do like seven drinks. And I really felt fine the next day. So, not recommending oh, wow. that. Just saying, wow. if
2: you. No, great <laughs> you evidence.
0: <laughs> you yeah. Give your body support. You can kind of, you know, hold a tan through these more, you know, tricky parts of life or whatever you're doing to your body <laughs> at that time.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Life happens. I love
0: it. It does. Yeah.
2: So you have some other amazing products like your organ complex, which I think is hopefully rising in popularity. Like so many of us are deficient in vitamin A, B12, oh organs God. is like the delivery system. Can you talk about maybe sourcing for that and why it's so important to get these superfoods?
0: Yes, because we have this big push right now uh, in terms of like we need to be plant based. We need to increase our nutrient density. And it's like ah, the most nutrient dense food on the planet, <laughs> this liver, this liver. And if you look at like Matthew Lalan, he's a Harvard chemist, and he did a really beautiful illustration of this. But organ meats, even in, out of Colombia, there was some research about which are the most antidepressant protective foods organ meats, poultry giblets, all of these foods that no one is consuming anymore. But like, like you said, I think even if you compare it to like a ribeye, it has like 30 times the amount of B12, like four times the amount of vitamin A. They are just Organ meats are nutrient powerhouses, and they're things that our ancestors prioritize and animals in the wild prioritize, and we have just tossed by the wayside, and it's really, really devastating. Now, the reason I got turned on to them was because when I got pregnant, I just started to get tired, and I was like, Mm. oh, what is up with this? What are the most nutrient-dense foods if I eliminate what mainstream nutritional advice is telling me, where can I get this? And it was organ meats. And I tried it, my husband and I used to prepare it and I would do a a happy dance. I was like, wow, (laughs) I'm like, I'm getting something that I haven't gotten before from this. And it's really interesting. There is an identified anti-fatigue factor they showed this in a rat study that rats given like organ meats, uh, in contrast to just B vitamins, they swam like four or five times longer. These rats were still swimming when they had to end the experiment. So they don't know exactly what it is, but then they've also done research, um, in the 1930s three different doctors got a Nobel peace prize for the discovery that actually organ meats could cure anemia, pernicious anemia. And so it isn't always about the absolute amount of iron. It's about the retinol and the vitamin A, which are actually very important for the utilization of iron. So I think Mm. these energy benefits are due to the B12 and, and also to the the iron and the synergy, right? So yeah, organ meats, eating nose to tail. We can also like balance everything out with organ meats. They have a lot of B vitamins, like you said. And even when it comes to like collagen, they have that glycine, which is balancing out the methionine that all of us are getting in such high amounts from the muscle meats, choline. And like you said, when it comes to differences in how they're raised, you don't want to eat traditional organ meats usually. I just read an article and they were showing that pesticide concentration and the different parts of animals. I think it went liver was the highest source. And then I think it was tongue yeah. and then muscle meats. And then um, I think kidney was last, surprisingly. But again, organ meats are going to um, interesting. Yeah, I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. And also, when it comes to grass feeding, you're going to get higher levels of um, like those omega 3 fatty acids appreciably because in beef it's kind of like I get where people are coming from. Well it doesn't really matter because there aren't a lot to begin with. And that's true. You're not gonna like get your daily intake of omega 3s from eating beef, even pasture beef. But organ meats are different and you do get higher amounts a lot higher like four time higher amounts in organ meats. Um, and so that matters. But yeah, organ meats are for people with energy issues, people with iron issues, people who want stamina. I I have this little amazing testimonial from this guy, he's 60 years old and he's like I can finally do, you know, like 10 push-ups and he, you know, it just said it transformed his life. So Organ meats are my jam, but I hate the taste. I hate the taste. So we put them in capsules. We source them from American regenerative farms and we, we freeze dry them to of course preserve all their fragile nutrients. And then people who are accustomed to not eating organ meats can still eat it. They don't have to taste it and they feel better. Yay.
2: Yeah. And a great option for people that are just so dead set on going plant based and not wanting to introduce animal foods i'm like this is your gateway maybe or maybe we can compromise here
0: <laughs> yes no you're yeah. absolutely right i have a lot of vegans reach out and that is often the place we begin uh so it's definitely made a difference for a lot of people yeah, yeah. such a powerhouse it's crazy it. yeah. yeah and we just got to liver but ours contains heart and kidney too which have you know nutrients all their own that have other additional beneficial properties and so mm-hmm. yeah
2: yeah amazing one of my favorite supplements really awesome Thank you. Thank you.
1: So I still have on my notepad here to circle back to blood sugar. Ah! I did not forget.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we have to, because you've mentioned corn a bunch of times and
0: (laughs) (laughs) I want to know,
2: I kind of have two questions. I want to know what you
1: have personally learned so far with your CGM, but also if you have experimented with your apple cider vinegar complex as far as blood sugar.
0: Yes. 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 All the things. So, okay. I'm going to start with apple cider vinegar. Cause there's just a lot I've learned apple cider vinegar complex. So I learned that basically apple cider vinegar was a way to help promote blood sugar stability. Also help improve digestion, right? Back in the day when I decided my husband and I, I like him a lot. We're going to try and live as long as possible. I'm going to create a plan. So we had this like daily tonic that we drank every morning with apple cider vinegar and cinnamon and ginger and turmeric and all the things. Uh, And I drank it religiously, told all my clients to do it. And then I have a a dentist friend who said, don't do that. Like you're, you're going to hurt people's teeth. And so I said, Oh, okay, well, what if we put it into capsules? So what I've learned from that, it's very, very interesting. And I've tested it against like goalie, um, their apple cider vinegar gummies, which contain sugar. And that was always like, what? And then just with a meal and without. So what I notice is generally, and you guys test this a lot. So the area under the curve right? Is how much you're kind of pumping out in terms of like your insulin. It's kind of a proxy, right? So I noticed that when I, I do not, when I eat the same identical meal without apple cider vinegar, it's going to go up quicker and you know, it'll come back down quicker sometimes, but ultimately there is probably a larger insulin release because apple cider vinegar can actually interfere with enzymes that digest starch and is also thought to push glucose into the muscles. When you add it to a meal, you're kind of changing the way that your body processes it. So when I've added our complex and I do it 30 minutes before, I've tested a little bit, and that seems to be the best, had the best response. And what it does is it goes up so much, it's so, so few more points. It's like such a smaller curve. And it's maybe a little bit longer, but it never really gets out of range like it does with the other um, eating it without you know, or with goalie. I also had with those apple cider vinegar supplements, they, like I said, contain sugar, it goes up a little bit more. And so I'm just seeing a slower, a flattening of the curve essentially is what I see. And that's just like one of the benefits with apple cider vinegar, because you're going to improve protein digestion and uh, which has so many different benefits. And I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Carol Johnston. Have you heard of her? Mm No. No. Okay. She's this lady out of Arizona and she does um, research on vinegar, apple cider vinegar a lot of time. She just gave me this paper and it was, it had an appreciable effect on mood. So in addition to blood sugar, it looked as though the ability to improve protein digestion through the vinegar actually improved their mood state as well. Cause we know proteins, are the building blocks of neurotransmitters, right? So I was so fascinated. But anyway, yes, when it comes to blood sugar in terms of apple cider vinegar complex, it seems to just flatten out that curve. And we know that because apple cider vinegar is in there, turmeric is in there, ginger is in there, and cinnamon is in there, all of which have actually been shown to support stable blood sugar. And also it's just really helpful for cravings Uh, Because when you see that flatter curve, you're not going to go up and you're not going to come down. And it's that moment that it comes down and goes up that you're going to have a lot of cravings. So those are my apple cider vinegar um, insights. If you have any more questions about that, is that good? Yeah, I'm curious
2: about, I mean, you said 30 minutes before is kind of the magic piece. That's really hard for people to remember or to like clock that 30 minutes before. Are you finding any difference if you remember at the last minute, is it still worth it? Yeah, And, or would you ever
0: take it just systemically on an empty stomach to overall help? Oh yes. Such good questions. Yes. You can also take it with the meal, right? You're not going to see it initially, but it does seem to help even just like, again, flatten out that curve. So you might, it's never going to get out of range, or at least this is what's happening in my body. Obviously everyone's blood sugar response is very different, but for me, it definitely, even if I take it with a meal and I'm like, oh crap. And you can also take it after a meal, and that works too. And if, if you don't have the apple cider vinegar complex, you can dilute apple cider vinegar and use a straw and, and do that. That's like, <laughs> sometimes when I do, I'm like, yeah. Oh, like I really didn't. I the teeth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, And also taking it in the morning, that is the number one thing I get from people who use our product is the craving reduction. And it's been shown in research to help people eat 275 fewer calories a day effortlessly because it just improves satiety. People don't know if it's because the taste actually makes people feel a little sick or they don't like it. No one's sure exactly why, but it seems to help curb cravings. It improves satiety. And also it's been shown to upregulate fat burning because of AMPK, AMPK, which is like this Energy sensor in your body. And so lots of different benefits. You can take it on an empty stomach first thing in the morning. I have a lot of people who are prone to cravings do that. You can take it before your meal. That's awesome and ideal if you can, but you can also take it with your meal. You can take it after your meal. You can take it like before you're going to travel, because a lot of times tummy troubles will arise in travel and people will get Mm -hmm. constipated. That might be TMI, but this is helpful in those situations. So yeah, you can use it many different ways. I think the important thing is just use it or, and if you can't do apple cider vinegar, you know, make sure you dilute your, the apple cider vinegar in liquid form and drink it with a straw. But in terms of the testing that I've done with the other products, it seems like apple cider vinegar is better than gummies with sugar in them.
2: Yeah.
1: right. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've always been a big fan of apple cider vinegar and similar to your story. So my, our dad and mom, um, our dad's a dentist and my mom's a dental hygienist Yay. and she, my mom came to me and she's like, what is going on with this craze of everyone drinking apple cider vinegar and lemon? It's destroying the enamel. She was like, you need to tell them to drink with a straw, please. And so- yeah, I, I love think it's that. good to be mindful of that.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And even when you do the gummies, you're still lit sap, it's still on the teeth. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's good when you get it in true capsule form. But yeah, my friend was like, I know you're trying to help people just stop. Like <laughs> <enough> <laughs> with the cider vinegar in the morning thing. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, unless you're yeah. getting a kickback from the local dentist, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: which I wasn't. No, but hilarious. No, uh,
2: so any but, uh, other insights from
0: products? Yes. Lots of them. Okay. So basically there's this really cool thing about glycine. Pre-meal glycine has been shown in diabetics to help improve blood sugar control too. So our bone broth protein actually contains about three grams of glycine. And this is going to vary. Of course, that's, I can't guarantee, but say you fasted and then you take bone broth, bone broth broth protein powder, and you can make it into a soup. You can add it to, you know, whatever, uh, a smoothie. It actually when I do a meal with that before and a meal without it, it's a very big difference in terms of my actual glucose response, which is really, really cool. And also mm-hmm. there's research to suggest turmeric. Now we have a turmeric complex too, and we added black pepper, of course, and coconut milk powder and to improve the bioavailability, but turmeric can actually reduce the amount of time that you need insulin, right? Cause it brings blood sugar back within a normal range more quickly. And so I like to use it overnight for that reason so that you can kind of like improve the percentage of time overnight that you're burning fat. What I've found is when I take apple cider vinegar and combine it with turmeric before, like that also seems to have a very cool ability to just improve. And again, my blood sugar response to a meal. And I want to say outside of our products too, the simplest, most powerful thing I've ever found just eat enough protein. I was avoiding a lot of like carbohydrates. I don't eat bread a lot, you know, but when I go to a barbecue and that's just being served, sometimes I want to. And so I've found such freedom in that because it's like, no, if I have a really good amount of protein and I start with protein rather than starting with your dessert or your starch or whatever else, um, it is a huge difference. So even if you don't want to buy any of our products, just eat enough protein with your meals and you can probably do better. Um, if you're like me, at least, and a lot of the people I've worked with, that can be the simplest thing ever. Yeah. yeah the
2: timing hack. of it is really important because you set the tone for your blood sugar. And I've experimented with that, with doing bone broth before a meal, sometimes just because I'm hungry and can't wait for yeah. food. So I'm like, I'll sip on this bone broth, but I've noticed blood sugar is definitely more stable. Um, so it's really interesting about the glycine.
0: Yeah, it's and something
1: else, something else about glycine. I've heard Ben Greenfield say he'll take glycine, glycine and spirulina when he's going out to a restaurant because there's some protective mechanism against the vegetable oils. Like if mm. you're at a restaurant and you're just like not sure what you're going to be exposed to. Oh yeah, the spirulina, I think spirulina and
2: glycine metals and pesticides. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, there's well documented. And our greens powder actually has spirulina in it. So thank you for Amazing. sharing that with me. That's my new test. But um there's like yes. demonstrated research about arsenic that spirulina can help detoxify arsenic. And what I'm guessing he's referring to in terms of glycine, it's like one of the building blocks of glutathione. And so if you can buffer your body's ability to have glutathione stores before you go in there, it's probably gonna end far better than it would otherwise. <laughs> but yeah. you are, And another thing, if people are having trouble with sleep, glycine is another one of those things. It's been shown to help drop the body temperature, which is a really important part of actually getting restorative sleep. And so sometimes that's like a nightly tonic that I do there as well. But I love, when I wake up in the morning, sometimes I do the greens powder and the bone broth and a little bit of sea salt, um, especially when I've been like, pushing the fasting too hard for too long and my body just like needs to know that it has everything available. Sometimes that's actually the way I start my day, but I'm gonna start doing it before I go out and eat to that's that's oh and then apple cider vinegar, this was cool. Someone shared this with me. I think it was um Stephanie Seneff And this hasn't been scientifically validated, but I think it's so fascinating that the acetobacter in apple cider vinegar can potentially help break down, break the bonds between in glyphosate so that your body can actually get rid of it more readily. So just oh. wanted to throw that out there. Um, she said, you know, again, oh research is going to have to test it, but she thinks seems to think it is a plausible mechanism uh, and something that you could do before you go out and eat as well.
1: Mm. We just did an awesome episode, a lot about GMOs and glyphosate with Jeffrey Smith. Oh yeah. So, so anyone that listened to that, like, that's a great hack for that. Cause it's terrifying. Yeah.
0: What's yeah. happening? <laughs> oh my gosh. I know I just talked to him too, but it is, and they're yeah. everywhere. And again, that's another reason I'm so passionate about uh, helping people understand the nuances in agriculture, because even when you look at plant based burgers, a lot of them are coming from, you know, genetically modified ingredients that are still using pesticides and um, traditional inputs and again, degrading the soil and also our health. So yeah, funny,
2: yeah, I think that in combination with like gluten-free products we're actually doing way more harm than good. Like people think, "Oh, I'm avoiding gluten, I'm, you know, going to be more metabolically healthy and not have allergies," but you're still potentially getting the same reaction and and more.
0: Isn't that the truth? It's so so sad. That's another thing I want to talk to you. Well, I'm I want to ask you a question on your podcast. I don't know if I'm allowed to, but <laughs> have you ever noticed that like you can use your blood sugar as like kind of um, a marker for which foods you might be sensitive to? Have you heard that? Have you experienced that? thousand percent? Oh okay, yeah. It's cool. like, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's like an at-home food sensitivity test. I think oh, it's way more know. powerful than getting a blood test. Like you spike dramatically and drop. And especially if you drop below your baseline that you started at, that is not a good food for you. And I see, like, I look at a lot of this levels data and gluten-free products are worse I know. than the actual I'm food. not surprised. I'm it's not wild. Either.
0: I know, naturally gluten-free. That's the goal, right?
1: Yeah. Right. If, yeah. From the earth, the way it was supposed
2: to be. Yep. If you Strategy. made it with gluten, took it out, you probably put something else in there that shouldn't have been there. Just don't eat that stuff.
0: I know, right? When I changed, yeah. it, it wasn't even available. So I was lucky that I didn't even have these kinds of alternatives. But yeah, I think you're right. If you get an overdependence on them, they do way more harm than good. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. So what Um, other products did we not cover? I'm just like so obsessed with your product line. I told Renee before we jumped on, I was like, if I had to just choose, and I'm going to say this confidently on the air, if I had to choose one product line to get all of my supplements from to get like a whole nutritional intake, it would be paleo Valley. And I feel even more confident about that now after talking to you.
0: Oh, that means means so much to me. Thank you so much. Cause yeah, we are comprehensive. It's amazing. Yes. And we have so much in the works. So that, that is so cool. And hopefully you'll like the other products, but the two other ones, three other ones I want to mention first is the mushroom complex. Anyone who loves brain health. I have both genes for Alzheimer's. So lion's mane was on my radar because it's been shown to reduce mild cognitive impairment. Right. But the thing with most mushrooms is they're grown on mycelium. Have you guys heard this?
1: Mm -hmm. I have been diving deep into this for the past week. And my mind is blown that there's so many mushroom products on the market that that's the issue. It's crazy, right? Share this with our listeners.
0: Yes. So what happens is there's like life cycles to a mushroom, right? There's a spore and then there's a mycelium and it's, you, you grow a mycelium on a grain, right? Like an oat or something. And what most people do is they take that. Whole biomass, all the grain, everything, and then they just put it into capsules. So they've done an independent tests where they found like up to 50% of the product that you're consuming is actually starch, right the last thing most of us probably need right but don't even know that we're taking in and so what instead you want to do is wait until the mushrooms reach their full life stage right and then you take them and you separate them from the mycelium ideally and then you put them into capsules which I've only found one supplier who actually does this and we almost actually put out a mushroom product not knowing this but luckily we were at paleo FX and this guy was like I hear you're doing mushrooms I have to teach you about this and so oh, we took wow. some steps back yeah and changed all of our sourcing so that it is just 100% mushrooms in the complex rather than, and I've tested some of the most popular brands. There's this thing called an iodine starch test where you actually get like a test tube. You put your mushroom product, you put your iodine, and if it turns purple, you know that there's probably a large percentage of that purple and black that is actually starch. And so I don't know a lot of people are willing to do it. Maybe your audience though, because they're biohackers and this stuff matters, but yeah, you're probably eating wow. a lot of starch if you're just getting most uh, mushroom supplements. So you want to say, are they made with mycelium? Are they organically grown? Are they actual mushrooms? And then of course, uh, standardization for the specific beta glucans and all the other things. Cause alpha glucans are what you will find in starch heavy mushroom blends. And so when people claim there's a high levels of polysaccharides, well, alpha-glucan and beta-glucan are both polysaccharides. So they can claim high levels, but it can be of the starch variety, right? So you want to ask, it, are there high levels of beta-glucans? These are the m- actual molecules that they think are responsible for the health, various health benefits, uh, mm-hmm. of which there are many. And so just asking that, making sure, are they standardized for beta-glucan content? Are they made from whole mushrooms? Are they made on mycelium? Are they organically grown? But that's what we did with our supplement. We just took eight different mushrooms uh, and put them into capsules at, in really high quality. And then our beef sticks, I think, our beef sticks at superfood bars, I just want to mention because- uh, they whole- do. Yeah, the beef sticks were our flagship product. It was because I came out of the fitness world. I was like, I'm not, I'm done eating apples and pistachios all day. You know, it's really important, high quality protein for people to build muscle and maintain lean muscle mass as they age, which we know is like the organ of longevity. It's also really important for mental health, but most products on the market actually gave me a tummy ache and when I looked into why it, there's really crazy ingredients in most of them, let's just say that, but there's one called citric acid uh, that is actually derived from, you know, genetically modified corn and made with mold and then actually coated in hydrogenated oils, often from like cotton seed or something like that. And then it melts <laughs> into the product and then preserves it, which, you know, I don't think is ideal. And a lot of people are like, well, it's a small amount, but I think if you're eating a lot of beef sticks, it's not, it, it might not it be a adds small up. amount. And it's hydrogenated oils. And yeah, so we fermented them because again, we're sticklers for what our ancestors were, have been doing that is working that we've just lost touch with. And so you have like gut healthy uh, beef sticks, essentially from regenerative American farms. And then our superfood bars, we have lemon, we have a red velvet cake, we have a chocolate and we have an apple. We have other flavors in the works really soon. And they're basically just like the junk-free superfood bar that has uh high quality bone broth, protein powder, from Regenerative American Farms and just no sugar, no gluten, no corn, none of the, it's not a carb bar. It's actually, I've tested this too. It keeps my blood sugar very nice and steady. And I've had multiple people reach out and say the same. So I think that's it. I think that's all I want to talk about. Oh my
1: gosh. Well, I, I love you guys about, so much. I know. I will brag <laughs> about the beef sticks and the turkey sticks, the cranberry orange and the summer sausage, the summer oh
2: sausage. My favorite that- too. Yes. Oh my God. It's so good.
0: <laughs> They're so like good. the hickory smoked summer sausages or like hickory smoked sausages around Christmas time. Right. That's, yes. that's the, what I get from them anyway. Yes. Oh.
1: Yes. The taste is so good.
0: And for kids, it's the- teriyaki. Sorry. Oh, oh yeah.
2: Okay. I think the first time we tried your jerky was at paleo effects. There were you guys. Oh yeah. Booth. And I <laughs> I think my dad and I were both making the rounds. It was like, there was a chocolate booth and then there's Kelly about, <laughs> and we were just like oh. going in the circle. I was like, more summer sausage and then <laughs> go get a piece of chocolate. And I was like all day long. <laughs> it is not your typical jerky. It's so- It's moist. Soft is not moist. 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 In the best that's way. Word. That's a good word. Yeah. Yeah, no, it tastes more <laughs> like a real sausage rather than a dried jerky that's in a package. It is so satisfying.
0: Yeah, it's got like a little snap. But you're right. It's not gonna like tire out your jaw. It's and, yeah. and moist is a weird word for some people, but it is. It just it yeah, <laughs> it has a no, little more it. softness. <laughs> softness. I'm not sure that's better. But yeah, softness, a snap. They're like sausages. I think that's the best way to say it. It's got a soft snap.
1: <laughs> a soft snap. That's the tagline. Yeah. We need no, a new it's marketer. It's so
2: good. It's so good. Oh, I love oh, it.
1: And Thanks. the bars too. I love the app. I think the apple and the chocolate are my favorite, but I'm excited to see what else you are have planned down
0: the road. We've got lots of things planned and keto, probably a keto version as well. Even though again, they keep your blood sugar nice and steady, but they are, they have carbohydrates from the whole food sources in there. So soon. I
2: love that you've tested all of these things because one, you're (laughs) sourcing, Like it's very hard to find something that's tasty that also has been sourced. And then it's like, maybe you find those and let's not even go down the blood sugar rabbit hole, but you've done all of it.
0: Yes, and can I add one thing that I during my blood sugar testing I was so shocked by this. So our greens powder, we've talked about it. I was like, well, what if I tested with other greens powders with with wheatgrass? And what I noticed is there's a slightly bigger uh a bigger spike, but man, did my stomach hurt! I had not had wheatgrass based cereal or greens powders in a really long time, and I was so sick I almost couldn't even uh, pick up my son from school. And I only say that to say green, you know. Most cereal grasses have something called wheat germagglutinin. It's a lectin. It really rips my gut apart. And if you look Mm -hmm. at a lot of the greens powders on the market, you see people on Amazon writing, oh my gosh, that just destroyed my gut. It's probably the cereal grasses. And so yeah um just look for a powder without them, and of course ours ours is spirulina base, and if you do that, you need to make sure the sourcing is really good because uh spirulina has some controversy around it for good reason because a lot of it is grown in these pools in heavily polluted areas and then they actually contain compounds that could uh damage your health. so anyway, yeah. watch the yeah. grasses for anyone who who goes that direction and might not have made that connection
1: yeah. I awesome. really appreciate that. Yeah. And the spirulina, I guess, because it kind of binds to heavy metals and things. So it makes sense that if you're sourcing it badly, not going to be good for your health.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. very, very important with spirulina and our um, supplier actually adheres to the in European Union standards just voluntarily, <laughs> which are far more stringent than us. They're just like, we want right. to go above and beyond because it's so important when it comes to spirulina. So yeah, everyone watch it.
1: Well, Autumn, we promised we would keep this at an hour. (laughs) We have just (laughs) loved chatting with you so much. Before we let you run, we just want to ask one final question. If you can give our audience a final piece of advice, something they can start doing right away Mm. to optimize their health and wellness.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. I think for me, it's slowing down right when we're doing biohacking and you know you can use all the products and do all the things but and use all the gadgets but ultimately i think at the end of the day what we need to realize is uh, our body is speaking to us all the time and when we're tuning into that and being moving slow enough and with enough ease uh that we will be able to listen and we will actually find everything that we need in terms of lifestyle and what we're supposed to be eating with that feedback and it's actually the only way we can get there uh, i think we can use these tools like you said to kind of garner that awareness. But at the end of the day, slowing down, paying attention, noticing your body's cues, uh, that's been the most impactful for me, aside from actually making sure that you have enough joy and pleasure in your life. I love that. The intuition. You got it, right? Yeah. I was, I was, I hated my intuition for a long time. I was like, be quiet. I'm going to beat you down, but now yep, yep. I'm going to go to
2: dance cardio
0: and you can shut up six <laughs> hours that I'm going to drive around. I'm going to drink. I'm going to smoke. I'm going to do all the things. And you're not going to have anything to say about it, but yeah, yeah. In my, as I get older, I realized that wasn't a good approach. So uh, we're reversing Yeah, we're right yeah. in the ship.
2: Yeah. We learned got a lesson. We appreciate well, you so much. This is so much fun, and I wish that this was a living forty and we had two more hours. But um, <laughs> super enjoyable. <laughs> Next time, <laughs> yeah.
0: you thank um, you so much. Yeah. So
1: we'll. So everyone listening, we will share in the show notes how you can get in touch with Autumn Paleo Valley on Facebook, Instagram. Autumn, you're on Facebook. Are you on Instagram too?
0: You know, I do. Yeah. Do the paleo Valley. I keep my, paleo Valley is like, just like family stuff. And, but yeah, paleo Valley and wild pastures. That's our meat delivery service. If you guys, you can do that too.
2: Awesome. You you want to do a quick little bit about that?
0: I do. So like we were talking about the elitist piece, most of the people I would tell, oh, you got to be really careful about your sourcing. And they'd be like, well, it's too expensive. And I, I have no idea what that even means. Or And so what we did was cut out the middleman. We found the farmers and we brought it, to, we deliver it to your door for wholesale prices, because in order to make the kind of impact that we need to make, we all need to be involved or as many people as possible. And so we just took away that obstacle of cost and of, wow, I'm so overwhelmed by all this greenwashing and I don't even know where to find this. So yeah, we just deliver beef, chicken, and pork all from American regenerative farms. And of course, wild seafood from one of the most sustainable fisheries around. And it just ends up on your doorstep. And so it's beautiful. And and we also opened a burger restaurant in Boulder called Wild Pastures Burger Company. If you guys are local, come see us. There's no sugar in the place. Everything's regenerative. And so yeah, you can check us out there too.
2: We're not local. We were thinking about just buying some plane tickets to come get a burger because it sounds worth it.
0: You (laughs) got it, man. Let's do it. Come, I want to meet you in person. Do it, yeah. We'd love that. Awesome.
2: We'll have to plan that soon.
0: Yes, yes.
2: Well, this is so much fun. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today and sharing your wisdom. We know your audience. Our audience is going to love you so, so much. So, thank you for sharing Paleo Valley and everything with us today.
0: It's been an honor, ladies. Thank you. I'm so glad we connected.
1: Thank you. And thanks to everyone that tuned in today. We'll see you next time.
2: Love this episode of the biohacker babes podcast. Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support until then happy biohacking.